Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome to our Halloween episode. Episode 40 even. Yes. Comes at a great time. Of Killer Hangover. My name is Beth. And I'm Bettina. We really wanted to make the episode spooky ooky for you all. So we went back and forth on different stories. Him, ha, no, that's not right. (laughs) That's not scary enough. I don't know. And then, just as things seem to work out for us and fall into place, we get a message from Mike Palmer, the founder of the Paranormal Investigators of Northern Kentucky, better known as Pink. Pink. And you might remember them from Mom's story when she spoke to Lisa from Pink for our Ohio episode when they covered Post Town Elementary School. That's right. So Mike messages mom and was like, hey, I don't know if you have a Halloween episode planned or not, not, (laughs) 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 but we worked a case in 2018 that was featured on the Travel Channel series Haunting in the Heartland. The face of evil. Yes. So mom and I go watch the show and we're both like. Uh, totally spooked out. Yeah, it wasn't together either. (laughs) It was different (laughs) times, different place. (laughs) Mom messages Mike back and says, let's do this. Oh, yeah. And it's actually perfect because the history of the home makes for a very good same place, different time episode like we do for every 10th episode. So, Beth, hold your horses. Oh, I'm just so excited for this story. I know, but I have this delicious drink in front of me and I know nothing about it. (laughs) I made a liquid web cocktail oh cool okay yes so it's halloween themed of course notice the little black sprinkles on top of the white cocktail yes okay so it's delicious it's absolutely delicious (laughs) i had to try it before i brought it down did i mention it's delicious uh sort of i think okay so the ingredients are three ounces of chocolate liqueur oh three ounces of coffee liqueur. Oh, like you can Kahlua. stop right now. I'm already in mm-hmm. love with it. Okay. Two ounces of milk, lightly sweetened whipped cream, oh. ice. So you combine that all into a cocktail shaker, shake it, strain into a cocktail glass, mm. and garnish with either a pumpkin pie spice or nutmeg. Mm-hmm. Or I added some chocolate sprinkles i like the chocolate sprinkles better anyway thank you yes i just you know any kind of chocolate really (laughs) goes with chocolate liqueur so hey so i filled these martini glasses to the very tippy top so we probably shouldn't cheers oh this looks so good okay oh okay so virtual cheers (laughs) cheers from across the room as we (laughs) don't want to spill a drop Oh my gosh, that is delicious. So 
creamy and just and we only get one of these right dangerous oh no the shaker is still filled right there for you mom all righty well, definitely taste the dark chocolate godiva liqueur i used this is a little dangerous it yes. goes down very smoothly very smooth and it's not terribly sweet no, it is sweet, but it's not like gag sweet. No, right? Like it's not like a fruity cocktail Definitely where you could only dough. have like one, maybe. I think we better just have one of these. I don't know. It's the Halloween episode. We have to celebrate. Slurring our words. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna sit back. You're gonna take me oh. into this, and I'm going to add some stuff along the way. Okay. So, like I mentioned, this story was featured on the Travel Channel show Haunting in the Heartland. It's hosted by Steve Shippey. The episode is called Face of Evil, and it's season one, episode four. It actually only aired March of this year. Yep, it's a new one. The story takes place in Hebron, Kentucky, a small town in northern Kentucky, right near the border of Ohio and Kentucky. Hebron was established in 1858. They built up the town around the church. It's a tight-knit community and just nearly 6,000 residents. Today? Correct. All right. The town is filled with old buildings and a lot of history. During the Civil War, the area was basically right in the middle of the Confederacy and the Union armies. So you would have literally one family fighting for the Confederates and their neighbors maybe fighting for the Union side. Or maybe... In the same family. Yes. Brothers fighting brothers. Another tumultuous. Tumultuous. Why did I choose that word? Tumultuous. Tumultuous thing that happened near. There's a natural. Okay. (laughs) She's losing her cookies. (laughs) There's a gnat that flew in front of my screen. It sidetracked me. Why is that in my house? Flies. (laughs) There's a. Dang that flies. <laughs> Just like oh, we're Amityville. not Amityville. No. Guys, warning, the story is terribly spooky. Oh my gosh, it is so creepy. <laughs> so that's why I'm a little on edge. Okay. Okay. Um what was I saying? Tumultu- tumultuous. Pretty much adjacent to the house that we're going to speak about, there was a mid-air collision. A plane taking off hit another plane in the air. So they basically collided Collided. in each other's flight paths. Right. I think it's the little one. It was a private plane that took off and went into the flight path of the bigger plane. Yes. Because there is a big airport like right there. 15 people died from the horrific accident. Mm -hmm. So our story takes place on some land that is owned by a church. Mm Mm-hmm. So on this land is a church and a cemetery and this house. Okay. The oldest marked gravestone in this cemetery dates back to 1786. Oh my gosh. Wrap your mind around that. Old maps of the area show that the original cemetery land was larger than it is today. And that's where this little white house sits. I mean, it's sitting upon what used to be the cemetery? Correct. Hopefully they got moved all those graves. They don't know. All right. So this this house is sitting on that land and it's owned by the church. church. Mm -hmm. It's still owned by the church. So like I said, it's just this little white house. Mm -hmm. Allison Reeves 
had always been drawn to the house. It really reminded her of the home that she grew up in. One day, she heard the house was back on the market for rent, so she jumped on the chance to rent the little white house. Regardless of the stories about families up and fleeing in the middle of the night or the fact that the house was on and off the market time and time again, she decided she really wanted to rent it. Or the fact that right outside her back window is the cemetery. Exactly. (laughs) She even joked that at least the neighbors aren't going to bother us. (laughs) It's going to be quiet out here. It'll be really quiet. (laughs) She felt like she was drawn to the house. And even in the show says that she and the house had an obsession with each other. (laughs) The day she was moving in, her daughter asked her, who's the man in the basement? The basement had a window that looked up to the sidewalk leading to the back door of the home. Sure enough, Allison saw him too. She described him as basically looking like Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Tall and thin. Tall and thin with a a top hat. hat. (laughs) Yes. But it's still her new home, so she wants to make it into a home. I don't... Plus a house she's wanted for a long time. Exactly. One night she is sitting on the back porch and started to get a little irritated with two young children, a boy and a girl, running around playing tag in the cemetery just behind her house. It's around like 8.30, she said, and she turned to tell Tony, her boyfriend, about the kids, and when she turned back, they were gone. Poof. And then things just started to feel a little bit off. Three weeks after living in the little white house, things physically started happening to Allison. She is pinched, her hair is pulled, and only three weeks into living there, she was viciously attacked while lying in her bed at night. (laughs) Regardless of the physical torment, her obsession, a relationship between her and the house, is getting more and more. She can't explain the feeling in any other way than that. So here comes Steve Shippey with the show from the Travel Channel, Haunting in the Heartland. They begin the show in the basement after Allison tells them about the Lincoln lookalike. While in the basement discussing how the land was owned by the church and how the home was built on old cemetery land, Allison says her stomach is burning very badly. She raises her shirt and etched into her stomach is a huge scratch it's actually like raising still not even red yet in as front of the cameras as a sign of the infinity sign. and it almost looks like the infinity yeah, symbol. it isn't just one little yeah it's scratch. not like three it's little scratches a design almost yeah it's crazy and it's like raising in front of the cameras allison shares that this is by far not the first time that this has ever happened she has been scratched pretty regularly And more often than not, it's when guests are in the home. One time in the middle of having a few cocktails with friends, her forehead just starts bleeding. Just randomly in the middle of conversation. (laughs) Sure enough, there's a large cut in her forehead. (laughs) What? Just picture yourself. Oh, you're just sitting outside with your girlfriends having a couple cocktails. And all of a sudden, best head starts bleeding. (laughs) Can you imagine? And there's blood just trickling down from this And she's like, oh, this happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, girl, let me show you my stomach. Oh, my God. jeez, Louise. Yeah, I wouldn't be sticking around long enough for that to happen. I don't know if I would have stuck around after seeing the Lincoln (laughs) lookalike. So she tells Steve Shippey about this. And he asks, you know, what do you think is causing this activity? 
and Allison says she knows exactly and tells Steve to look down. In the carpet in the front room of the little white house is like discoloration in the carpet. Mm. There was a murder in the house. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The way I said that made me think of Michael Scott from The Office. There was a murder in Savannah. There's a murder in the house. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But in reality, there really was a murder in the house. And so that was from the blood? That was from the blood. Like the carpet wasn't changed? Like the carpet wasn't changed. (laughs) (laughs) She even says that the church did not disclose to her Mm. that there was even a murder that happened in the house. Oh, heck, they've been renting this every three months. I mean, hell, the carpet wasn't changed. Like, yeah. Plus, it was a big murder. Yeah, that so happened. So house, the church probably thought everyone knew about it. This house was known to be on the market up for rent like every three months. <laughs> and like the murder happened in 2010. Mm. So this is the story of the murder in the house. Yeah, it's kind of creepy in itself. Yes. It was a Thursday evening and Daryl and Linda Atwood go out for dinner. The couple had only lived in Hebron for about six months And they moved there from the Boston area. After dinner, they drove home separately where an argument ensued. Interviews with neighbors, friends, and family, including their three sons, show that that evening was something totally out of the norm for the couple. At some point during the argument, Daryl claimed that his wife got so angry she attacked him with a kitchen knife. What happened next, I'm not exactly sure. Different sources and different things have been said, but injuries were those of a bludgeoning. In the show Haunting in the Heartland, Daryl's defense attorney, Brad Fox, said that in response to the knife attack, his client bludgeoned his wife with a window weight. But in the news report I watched, Mr. Fox stated, quote, we're of the belief that there were other people possibly involved and that he had no involvement in what happened to his wife, huh? unquote. At the time, the news even stated that Daryl and Linda's family were all standing behind Daryl through this. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, the death and this kind of conflict was just baffling to the people that knew the couple. Right. They were known to be a very fun, loving couple. A fight like this was just, well, well not like them at all. And the fact that he killed her because... They or that she attacked much in, him with a knife. They like, were very much in that. love. I mean, it was yeah. just like... Well, this was just not like them at all. Mr. Fox said in the show that Daryl was very apologetic and remorseful of the situation. And sources I read said that Daryl Atwood pled not guilty in court, but he ended up being charged with manslaughter in the first degree months after the killing took place. Now, this isn't a big case. This isn't Dahmer or Bundy or anything like right. that. So mom and I both searched and searched the internet for more on the case and, you know, crime scene stuff, just anything we could get our hands right. on. And this and is kind also of, looked, where's Daryl now? What prison is he in? Exactly. And this is honestly all the real facts I could get. Daryl Atwood died in prison shortly after sentencing. So we can never ask him the very prominent question I think we're kind of all asking right now. This was so out of character for the couple. There was no past history of domestic violence or abuse. 
it's all very mysterious to me. Were these forces in the home, did they lead to his aggression that led to the fight? Did it lead to her aggression against him if she did attack him with a knife? I think that's kind of where your mind goes because in the show, Tony, Allison's boyfriend, even says at a time that he will tell her, like, I I need to leave. I need to leave. I'm feeling this aggression that I don't normally feel and I don't know why I'm feeling it. Before this uh, escalates. Before it escalates, I'm leaving. And so Allison and Tony have both expressed that. So mom and I were even kind of chatting about the show after that. Like, I wonder, since this was so out of character for the couple that their fight and everything, you just have to wonder. You kind of do. Yeah. And and by the way, this probably has nothing to do with it, but we have scoured the internet. Beth did, I did, and actually Mike Palmer did also. There is no indication as to how this this man, Daryl, who's not an old man, died. In, in prison. prison, I know. Nothing. So from all the love and condolences I read on his obituary online, I found for Daryl, They just all said he was so kind hearted. He was a very beloved man, not this terrible monster that would beat and kill his wife. Uh, Obviously, that does happen. And it could have been happening behind closed doors. But just from how everybody seemed to know him, it just seems totally out of character, out of character. So now here's Allison living in a crime scene (laughs) and tormented by some unseen beast. I will say, though, and I think mom can attest to the gruesomeness of this, but they shine a black light in the home. You guys, you guys can watch the show. You guys cannot imagine how much blood was all over that house still. And the murder occurred in 2010. I mean, not only did the carpet have remnants of the blood, but it was on the walls. It was was splattered all over the walls. And you can even see the black light showed where somebody had tried to wipe it. Yeah. And it just spread it around. And you, it literally looked like somebody had almost poured a bucket of blood down the stairs. Oh, it was, it was so gruesome. Of course you couldn't, the only thing you could see in, in like during the daytime or whatever was these light discoloration on the, like somebody spilled coffee or something on the carpet, but you couldn't see the other stuff. But when they showed that with the black light, it was like chillsville. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Literally a crime scene. Oh, blood Um, everywhere. So laying in her bed at night was the most terrified Allison would get. It had gotten to the point that she didn't even sleep in her room anymore. She slept on the couch to avoid the black billowing smoke that circled her ceiling at night. It would hover over her as she lay in bed. And on one occurrence, she felt a being climb on top of her, wrap its legs around hers and pin her down as it choked her. Throughout the episode, Steve goes into town to get details on the history of the land and the house, which I already shared. But as he comes and goes like back and forth with the home and interviewing people, one time he comes back and Allison's whole personality and demeanor totally changes in the show. Yeah. There's even a time where she tells Steve she's done. She doesn't want any more crew. She gets super aggravated. She looks terrified is speaking almost aggressively and all of a sudden she just stops stares into space slowly turns towards steve and says quote you're way more aggressive than we're used to Mm -hmm. unquote i have 
chicken bumps <laughs> up and down my spine. And she said it. He goes, what? You're way more aggressive than we're used to. And then she turns to Tony and says, he's way more aggressive than what we're used to. And Tony goes, Who? who's we? Yeah. Who, who's we? Who's we? And she just shuts down. Yeah. It's it's so And then bizarre. she becomes Allison again. Mm-hmm. So death spans generations on this land around this house. Whatever this is, is feeding off of the grief and fear. And its attacks are getting stronger. It's almost like whatever it is is trying to control and almost isolate Allison. Mm-hmm. Giving her aggression sometimes ter- you know, towards her boyfriend. or So now they want to contact this being to see what it is that's affecting Allison in this way. So they're curious to see if it's coming from the cemetery. So this is where Mike Palmer, the founder of Pink, comes in. He and Steve did this investigation and mom actually talked to Mike about it because mm-hmm. there are, I guess, some parts that they did not show in the show. Show in the show. No, they didn't. <laughs> so now you get to hear them. Yeah. Keep in mind, the investigation was done on Friday the 13th during yes, a full moon. During a full moon. Yep. They use an ovulus, which is a device you can use that it converts spirit energy to words so that they can communicate with you and it's this really cool box that the spirits can use to speak with you and they make contact pretty much right away right away yeah so we got a uh screenshot uh mike sent me a screenshot of all the words that came out in the cemetery and the ones that they talked about on the show were were among those so beth what were those words right away they get west and the house was west from where they were. Uh-huh. And they asked, are you telling us to go back to the house? And the ovulus said, can you? So they start heading west towards the house. And they asked, are you targeting somebody in the house? And the ovulus said, lady. And as they continue walking towards the house, it says, aggression. And then it says, scratch. scratch. And they said, what are your intentions in the house? And the ovulus said, evil. And then they're like yards from the house. That's what evil came up when they were like yards from the house. And so the ovulus does spit out words randomly. Mm -hmm. But when I've used it in investigations, when it's that accurate with what you're asking is when you know you were absolutely because the ovulus might just spit out random words. But they asked, are you targeting somebody in the house? And it answered directly, lady. Yeah. And the last word, and this was not on the show. The last word the ovulus said, and that was right when they stepped onto the house property from the cemetery, right onto the house property, the last word it said was located. So I just have to tell you a little bit more about the cemetery scene that that you can't see on the Heartland because they cut it out. So Mike shared that at one point, while at the grave, they put the ovulus on the grave Mm -hmm. stone. Um, he was kneeling down to place the rim pod and the ovulus down. It was a cool night, not cold. And all of a sudden he felt warm air on his left elbow and forearm. Weird. He said it was just really strange with no explanation at all. And it was just on that one arm. Oh, gosh. I'm going to lighten things up a little bit here. So there was a car. That's, okay, it's late at night mm-hmm. when they're doing this. There's a car that pulled into the church parking lot while they were filming and it just sat there 
Well, yeah, they're filming. They have like a whole crew and stuff. So the crew goes over to the car to find out, you know, the right the producers basically of the show go right. over to the car and say, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> the driver was playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> And it brought him to the cemetery. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I just thought it was Jeez. Uh, the behind the scenes things that That's happened. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no Pokemon right here. Oh. So another person that did another investigation with the crew for the haunting in the heartland was a man named T.D. McGroy. He was a physicist and he has this equipment where he can take a picture and using this dynamic filtration in the photo can like it shows you things that you cannot see with the naked eye with the filtration that it has. Like it filters out light or something. Right. It was it's kind of a hard abstract idea to comprehend. Well, I'm not a physicist. But- so. <laughs> Yeah, for us, it's a really <laughs> abstract idea. <laughs> As I'm pouring myself more of the liquid web, I'm no physicist. Um, I should be a bartender, though, because this is very good. Hey, we, we are learning about these cocktails, that's for sure. So T.D. McCroy comes and takes photos of the house, and he actually captures something. In the doorway of the stairwell in the basement... Is a face. <laughs> Talk about chicken bumps. When I first saw that, I was just like, I don't think I'm seeing this right. <laughs> it looks like Gollum from God, from the Lord it, of the Rings. It just looks so evil. It's a demon. Oh, mm, now just thinking about it. It just looks so evil. Oh, it's absolutely terrifying. And when producers show the photo to Allison she actually says that she recognizes it and she's seen it before I mean the she just looks so freaked oh my gosh out. but the show doesn't really go much further mm-hmm. than that so no. I don't know if you know why she'd seen it before or if she really or where seen she'd it, seen it how before. often yeah. she'd seen it before so but she said that she recognized that she's seen it before and she just I mean you know it's kind of putting a face to the possession almost it's putting a face to the actions and the attacks that have been happening to her so they it kind of gave them more power it did it seemed that from that face they got some strength in themselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where allison and tony were like okay now we have a face to what this presence in the home is and they walked around they burned some frankincense and some other spirit fighting oils and they said like a chant or a prayer of some kind. I don't think it was a prayer. I think it was a chant of some sort. Yes, like a, but it was just very. This is my house. Commanding of their. Away. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Reclaiming yeah. their strength. Exactly. And this is my home. Mm-hmm. So since then, I have done a little, re- little research into it. The quote, bad guy. That's <laughs> what Allison yeah, called yeah, him. Bad guy. Is gone. And there are still some activities that happen in the home. They have remodeled. They have ripped out the carpet, got brand new carpet. I bet that helped in totally itself. Totally have remodeled and had it cleaned and everything. So I'm sure that helped. Oh, my heat just kicked on. Thank goodness. It was getting very <laughs> cold in here. <laughs> if you guys hear that buzzing, it is the heater. So yeah, that is what happened in the show. But like I said, mom talked to Mike, who has more information that was not covered in the show that I am dying to hear 
Yes. I am so excited about this because Mike and I talked for over an hour. Oh, (laughs) so cool. And it wasn't only about the show. It was about other things. And I don't know, Beth, if you knew this, but Steve Shippey was not the first paranormal investigator to go through the house. I didn't know that. Actually, Allison contacted Pink a year before. Oh, wow. She sent them not one, but three emails. The last one, she actually left her home because she didn't think it was being sent properly and sent it outside of the home. Oh, my gosh. You hear about that kind of stuff, even at Amityville, where they said that they would try to call the priest to come and bless their home. And they thought that the phone calls weren't going through. Because it didn't get through. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so scary. And this was in 2018. This was in 18. Mm Mm-hmm. So she was asking the group to conduct an investigation. Mike agreed and the group set out for Hebron. Allison met them not in the house. She met them in the parking lot adjacent to the house. Near the church? The church parking lot. Her reason being that she's scared to talk about the house in In the house. house. Oh my gosh, this poor woman. So with much emotion, Allison tells the team about her experiences in the home. Can they help? The team is intrigued, of course, and enters the house. Following are just some of the things that they experienced and the evidence they collected a year before the Heartland. Yes, and keep in mind, moms talked about them in the Ohio episode. This is kind of what they do for free is go and help people who who feel trapped like this in their own homes. Right. And I'll tell you more about Pink. Yes, and please. about Mike and how he got involved in the investigation yes. and stuff after I tell you about okay. this. So we'll stay in the house right now. Okay. So Mike uses an extra strong mic called a parabolic mic. So Mike uses a mic? Mike uses my, I was going to say that <laughs> while I was on the phone with him, but I thought that's really stupid. So I'm not going to say it. Then so I'm I'll my daughter, say it on the podcast. My daughter says it. <laughs> so Mike used a mic. Okay. <laughs> And it's just, a, it's very strong. It picks sure. up just little things. Like EVP stuff? It's a recorder. Right, yes. So he was using this in the upstairs bedroom where he swore he picked up heavy breathing in a corner of a room. Oh. Doubting what he had heard, he went back downstairs and he asked another team member, just, you know, could you go upstairs and just listen around and see if you pick anything up? Now, the team member he chose was their biggest skeptic. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the guy goes upstairs with the mic, comes back down and goes, well, that was weird. There's heavy breathing in a corner of the bedroom. <gasps> he heard yeah. it too. So Ew, Mike. That is so creepy. Oh, oh, that's so creepy. So Mike was validated. He, he did not tell the guy anything. He just said, hey, do me a favor and just check upstairs. It's that guy from Hey Arnold. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made you watch that too, Lenny. <laughs> oh. So right now, I'm going to direct you to Pink's Facebook page. It's Paranormal Investigations of Northern Kentucky, and it's their Facebook page, okay? Okay. Click on the video titled, You've Seen the Haunting in the Heartland, The Face of Evil. Click on that. It's it's the, like their top, right. the very first video you Is this the one you see. made me watch? Yeah, and it's Allison. And this was before the show. This was before, yeah. This they, is before they the recorded this a show. year okay, before. Cool. A year before the show, okay? So now I'm going to preface 
the recording. So prior to what you can see in the video, Allison had spaced for a minute or two, just like went someplace. I mean, she was sitting there physically, but her mind was just all of a sudden she shut down. And then she came to and she just started talking. So Mike thought, well, that was odd. I'm going to pick up my camera and see if I can capture this again if she does it. Sure enough, 45 minutes later, and this is what you see on the video. Oh, it's so Allison's eerie. talking, 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 and she goes, oh, I've got this weird pain in the back of my head, and there's silence, and Allison has got the spookiest looking face. She's she has this, there this weird smile. Like the Grinch kind of a grin. A weird smile. It's not a real smile. It's no. not a friendly smile. It's this kind of a creepy oh, so sinister. smile. And then her her eyes are like closed. Mm-hmm. And that's right. And she's just and she just turns her head from the side because that's when she she was talking and she was turned at the time and she just got into this trance and then she turns forward really slowly. And the crew are even sn- snapping and they're like, Allison, oh my gosh, Allison, Allison, Allison wake back, up, Allison. Allison. Yeah. And, and nothing, nothing. And all of a sudden she goes, yeah, it's this pain that I get occasionally in the just back of right my back to the conversation boom. she was having has like no idea. This just happened. Oh, it's so eerie. Anyway, watch it. It is just crazy. So also you can see on the video, team of pink asked her whether she's religious okay allison is religious and she says no no offense to anybody but she's a good person and she's not religious she said, i believe in god i, I believe, believe in, in god good i'm people. a good mm-hmm. person you know but i just don't believe in religion right and so i don't know if that has anything to do with anything but there was a point this is not on the video what i'm going to say mike said that there was a point that she got very agitated, very upset. And there's a team member that always carries a blessed rosary in, in their pocket. Okay. That would be me. That would be you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and holy water and a crucifix. <laughs> but She's anyway. a walking exorcist over here. <laughs> anyway, they, they took out the rosary beads and handed them to Allison to calm her down. You know. Sure. Allison okay. held them for just a minute or two and she just kept fiddling with it and then she handed them back to the person said I just can't hold these oh no why I don't know I don't know but she handed them right back and just I can't hold these so I'm gonna interrupt a little bit here I did get in touch with Allison I chatted back and forth with her for a little bit we were supposed to talk on the phone but unfortunately it just didn't work out before we recorded but she said that the bad guy has been since gone since the show haunting in the heartland but things were still happening in the home and she is still living there so i'm really really proud of her for claiming that strength back but i'd be very very curious if they have done any blessings on the home or anything like that that has helped the bad guy go away okay i I have more to say about when mike was there but i'll just tell you the bad guy's not gone but anyway okay so He's just hiding, breathing heavily in the corner still? Nope. Another strange thing that happened is the team has a medium. Uh, Pink has a medium that works with them. Yes. So they were going to this investigation and she said, Mike, I just really don't want to go. I don't, I have a bad feeling. I just really don't want to go. And he pleaded, please, we really need you for this. And we really want to know what's going on. So 
You are literally our eyes in this investigation. So she finally said, okay, but I'm going to be there an hour later. So team sitting around. They've been there an hour. There's a knock on the door. They have not told Allison that another team member is another team anything. member. They have not told her this is a medium, have not told her anything. Allison goes to the door, answers it and says in really kind of a gruff voice says, you're not supposed to be here. What? And then the next instant is congenial Allison. Hi, welcome. What? Isn't that creepy? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. The medium, like, she did not want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Did she stay? Yeah, she stayed. Code for her. But, but geez, uh, Louise, I don't know. She wasn't a happy, she wasn't a happy medium. <laughs> <laughs> so in another recording, and folks, this is so cool. Pink has, well, Mike has given us access to these recordings that I'm going to talk about. Oh, I've heard a They've lot of these. never been released, even by Pink. They have never been released oh, to the wow. public. So we get to debut. Like doing on, a little unveiling here. Yeah, we get to debut. These have never been heard before. So anyway, there you go. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Wow. Okay. So... The team and Allison are standing on her porch, on her front porch, and she's speaking, yak, 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 and then you hear, you know, you hear her say, I promise you, because she's talking about something, and she says, I promise you, then immediately following that is a voice, which is not her voice, it's a, it's a, it, it's different, Okay. and it says, my soul, oh, so she's talking, 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 I promise you, my soul. Oh, it's Gollum. But you can hear this for yourself. We're posting that one. Oh, gosh. So I don't know if I heard that one. I listened to a couple of them, but I don't know if I heard that one. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So there's four others that we're going to post on our Facebook page and website. And thank you very much, Pink, for graciously letting us post those. Hear a demon. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for letting us hear a demon. Oh, So there's several things, audio, especially audio, that Pink collected that validates that this house is haunted. Sure. Well, there's a lot that validates that. But I have something to maybe counter that. Okay. Maybe. Mike told me the following. He had gone upstairs to use the restroom. When he came out, he noticed a little cherub figurine on the floor in the middle of the room. What's a cherub? Isn't that those little naked babies? Yeah. Okay. With wings? With wings, yes. And it was in the middle, kind of in the hallway on the floor. He picked it up and he he realized that he had noticed the figurine in the windowsill, on the windowsill Mm -hmm. upstairs. And when he picked it up, he noticed that its wing was broken. Oh. So he was like, how the heck did this, how did this end up here in the middle of the hallway? It doesn't make sense. So he looked at footage because they happened to have a camera stationed up there. So he looked at the footage, and oddly enough, he sees Allison come up the stairs, grab the cherub, violently throws it to the ground, and walks back downstairs. That is so paranormal activity. But then he goes downstairs, and he's oh. like, you know, I'm going to... Okay, we're her. here to debunk. We're, you yeah, know? We're, you called us here. You called us. We're going to call you on this. Yes. So he confronts her with the evidence of the footage. Allison is bawling, he said. 
she denied throwing the cherub down, saying that it's very precious to her, and she was absolutely devastated that the wing had broken off this cherub. I mean, she was just bawling. Oh, no. Was she in another trance? (sighs) Yeah. I do not like the hold that this house seems to have. So... Mike and the team, and of course this is before the haunting in the heartland, definitely agreed that there was an evil presence in the house. And Mike thought that a blessing really needed to be done. Mm-hmm. So I would agree. But strangely enough, every time he brought it up, hey, we can do a blessing. I can do a blessing. We can get rid of this by doing a blessing. Allison just kind of cut him off or changed the subject, even though she said, yeah, I want to do a blessing. But every time he got like really into, okay, let's let's, schedule it. Yeah. She would cut him off, change the subject. That worries me. I think at one point she asked, do you, do you know a number of a priest or something that can come in? And he goes, yeah, sure. And gave her the name and a number of a priest friend that has helped pink out before. And then the next time he talked to her, she had lost the number. Hmm. So six months after this investigation I've just told you about that Pink conducted, the Travel Channel contacted Mike about his investigation and asked him to help with haunting in the Harland. Okay. So he says, okay, so the producers and everybody came into town. He's standing in front of the store and he's getting ready to be interviewed. So he's just kind of staying there. This dude walks up and just starts asking him questions and stuff. And Mike's talking to him. <laughs> Turns out it was Steve Shippy. <laughs> Nobody had introduced them. Oh. He had no idea who this guy was. And he was just talking yeah. away to him. But anyway, he was kind of surprised and, and very pleasantly so that he was asked mm-hmm. to come back the next evening to help with the investigation. Well, they were the original investigators. That's really neat that the Travel Channel kind of honored that and let them be a part of their episode. Now, Mike said that they did not enter the house together that night. Okay. So Mike did not. He just did the cemetery. He just did the cemetery. They didn't go into the house. Which was proof that it was not from the cemetery leaking into the home. It was a presence in the home. I think that's what you can kind of gather from the evidence Um, that they received. So it's like, I don't know, two, three o'clock in the morning, right Mm -hmm. when they're doing this and and then, you know, they go away. Well, the next day, Allison either texts him or calls him or something and goes, why didn't you come in? Oh, yeah. She no, been... from the conversations I had with her, she's lovely. She's very kind. Yeah. So she was a little, up, you know, and she was kind of sad that he hadn't come in because that was her first contact with yes, this, you of know, course. they had done a lot to help her. But OK, so as Beth said, at the end of the show, Haunting in the Heartland, Steve leads Allison and her boyfriend, Tony, through the house and they're reading and reciting these words to expunge the evil entity as they follow Steve through the house as he's doing the... To reclaim their home. As he's doing the... Sac- frankincense. The frankincense. The next day when Steve visits them at the home on his way out of town, Allison and Tony seem very much relieved. I mean, mm-hmm. they really do. She slept in her own bed And that she night. slept in her own bed. They got a good night's sleep and they feel like the evil had left the house. That's the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Yay. Everyone's happy. <laughs> it's not the end of the haunting. You see, the bad guy is still kind of there. 
And I very much agree with Mike that a blessing or even an, an exorcism needs to be done to in, fully in order to get rid get Gollum of out the of the evil. Home. Yeah. So Allison sent several messages to Mike after Steve left. One message says, quote, they got rid of the bad guy, but the house is even more active now or louder, I should say. And another message, Allison writes, the bad guy is gone from the home but he is literally right outside the door. <gasps> oh my gosh, I just got, oh my gosh. We and the animals can actually see him walk the front porch all hours of the day. I keep thinking how pissed I would be if I got kicked out of my home and then found my way back in. End of quote. Then she asks if Mike or someone he could refer her to could help get rid of the bad guy permanently. Mike responds with a message saying that he could help by doing a blessing, which was always his intention. Mm -hmm. Mike has not heard from Allison since. I am covered in just chills. He actually took screenshots of these messages. So I've seen the messages. Oh my gosh. So when I was quoting, I was quoting directly from those messages. That is, I am actually so scared right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is creepy. This is super creepy. That's all I have on that. But I would kind of like to introduce uh, Mike Palmer to you since he spent so much time. I want to meet him so badly. So it gives me some time to uh, enjoy some more of this cocktail. There you go. So I have to say Mike was so gracious. I mean, he answered all of my questions and explained things if I didn't understand the answers. He was just such a pleasant person to talk to. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Mike because I said, hey, you know, it's not every day I get to talk to a paranormal investigator. I got to speak to Lisa, which that was fascinating, too. So I think every time I meet a paranormal investigator, now I'm going to ask him, what got you into this gig? Mm -hmm. So I asked him that. And how did you start a paranormal investigation group? Yeah. I mean, you know, he's the founder. So Mike told me that his interest in the paranormal actually was kind of when he was started when he was young when he was a kid yeah he would read any kind of haunting book he could possibly get his hands on and then his family moved to Kentucky and moved into this older home and it didn't take long for them to notice that strange things were happening in the house but everybody just kind of oh I'm just imagining that or that's the cold or that's the pipes or Mm -hmm. that's the this or that's the that I mean you know there's got to be a logical explanation right. for this. And nobody really talked about it too much. But shadows were often seen. But again, oh, that was just me looking over there real fast. And it was the light, you know, or something right. like that. So he told me a story about one night. And I'm laughing only because the end of the story, not the story, because the story is creepy. But anyway, <laughs> so he and his buddy, they were like, I don't know, 16, 17, maybe. Okay. They're sitting in the living room watching TV. It's like, you know, it's like one o'clock, one thirty a.m. Mike notices this black cloud forming like out kind of outside. I, there must be two doors like a through, you know, and go down the hall. So it okay. starts here, goes through the room and then goes out the door down the hall. OK, so this black cloud comes and just slowly goes right by him. Ooh goes through the room look at my hand motions i got the black cloud (laughs) goes through the room and down the hall and then just 
it's gone. So he doesn't say anything. Is he going, still been one of those things. I'm sure I imagined it. Yeah. Right. His friend didn't say anything. He was watching TV. So <laughs> I guess the next morning, his friend says to him, so before I leave, I got to kind of say something. Um, Did you notice this <laughs> black, misty cloud thing last night? And Mike goes, oh, thank God you saw oh it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the yes. guy goes, yeah, I'm never coming back. <laughs> Why didn't he react to it in the moment? I don't know. I guess it's that guy macho thing. I don't oh know. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Was... Hey, by the way, I want to make sure I'm not crazy. You saw that too, right? Okay, good. And I we was, went to bed after we saw that, right? I was okay. laughing so hard when he oh, told me no. that. Because I just imagine these guys. Of course, if it was girls, they would have said something. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but guys, that was just, oh, I I was laughing so hard about that. So, but now I'm going to tell you a kind of terrifying story. Mike told me he was sleeping in his room and he often sleeps with his like hand over his head, you know, mm-hmm. his arm and well, obviously his hands attached to his arm. So <laughs> his arm over his head. Okay. okay. So he woke up. He didn't know what time it is. He woke up and he felt a strange pressure on his hand and he described it as thick air. He said, I I can't describe it in any other words. It was thick air mm. that was on his hand. So he's like, you know, trying, he's in that just woke up phase. Right. So he pulls his hand up and this force pushed his hand <gasps> back down. And about that same time, he said his father usually woke up early because of his job. He usually woke up about 3.30. Oh gosh. That so he's awful. got this pressure pushing him down, you know, his arm down. And then he sees across the hall, his parents' light comes on. So he knows it's 3.30 in the morning. And he said his mother usually got up with his father so she could make breakfast for him and coffee and stuff. And so she opens her bedroom door. All of a sudden, this pressure just lets go. And both he and his mother heard footsteps going down the hallway. What? And then heard as the footsteps got to the landing or the stairs, they heard a thud, like something jumping and landing. Oh. And both him and his mother heard it. Their house is haunted by a cat. <laughs> I don't know. A cat who likes to <laughs> lay on your arm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That sounds realistic to me. That would be you go. Yep. Okay. <laughs> But still, the family didn't move out. I mean, this no. didn't make them move no, out. No, that's not anything sinister to scare me out. So, of course, Mike got older, moved out of the house. Mm-hmm. But he said that one of his brothers did mention to him that he would hear whispers around him. Well, that's not a cat. And then one night, he was hearing these whispers. And usually, he couldn't make out words. Mm-hmm. But this one night, he did. And he heard distinctly, he heard, let's get him now. Oh! Nothing happened, but that's what he heard, distinctly heard that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would get me out of the house permanently, too. Yes. So he, he said that his parents did eventually, when his father retired, they did move to, you know, another part of the U.S. that's warmer or whatever. <laughs> but his two brothers still live there. They still live in that? <laughs> yeah, oh, they no. They still live there. So Mike said that he devoured, of course, books ever since he was oh, little. Yes. And he didn't stop. Every Any book he could get on the paranormal, he read. So he decided, hey, with my family's, you know, experiences, my experiences... I want to write a book about hauntings because there's got to be something more 
something I experienced mm-hmm. that hasn't been written about. So I want to do this. Right. That's why he started Pink is so that he could investigate, get more information and write this book. So cool. So in order to be legit, you know, to have people actually call him and say, welcome to my house, Mm -hmm. he kind of, they're not going to call somebody that's not registered or anything. So he registered Pink with Kentucky and made it a legitimate business business company. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the first house that they investigated was his. Oh, neat. Yeah. So he said he did get audio but at that time it was just a handheld recorder you know just this rinky dink thing right didn't have anything at the time so he said he one of the examples is he stepped into the bathroom I go man you and your bathrooms (laughs) 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 he stepped into the bathroom and he captured a gruff voice that said get out of here oh gosh yeah so they have well it didn't take long so they were doing these investigations people were calling Uh, Once people found out about them, their emails were flooded with requests. That's fantastic. For help. It didn't take long for the focus of the group to move from investigating for the book to actually helping helping the people that were experiencing paranormal activity to find answers and peace. Mm, I love Um, that. So Mike has never written the book. (laughs) One day. He will one day. But his group has conducted... 300 investigations since 2005 that's incredible yeah again mike thank you so much it was just a f- thank such you a f- so much fun conversation and thank, thank you for, you for the halloween episode <laughs> yeah. mike to the rescue i hope this was spooky enough for you guys make oh. sure you check your front porch before you go to bed Ooh, beth i'm gonna tell you that tonight no <laughs> There's a big window in the podcast room. And now I'm like really nervous. <laughs> What's on the other side? <laughs> have one more of these cocktails and I'll you hit won't the care. pillow just fine. <laughs> you just won't care what's out there. <laughs> All right, sweetheart. This was fun. This was awesome. So I am no Mike, but I went on a paranormal investigation. I talked about it last week. Just a reminder, I will be launching it on the Patreon for Halloween. Only Patreon. On Halloween. <laughs> Only Patreon. I will give you the history of Vale Mansion where I investigated. Right. Which is super interesting in itself. But some spooky occurrences that happened there as well. And something you captured. Oh. I or did. your group. Something that the group something captured. Something that the group captured. I wish it was me. That would have been cool. Yeah. Like mom said, audio and stuff from the investigation in Allison's home. We will put on our website. We'll also put links on our Facebook. Yep. Check out their page if you're in the area and you need them. Information is all there on their Facebook. Check their Facebook to see that uh, video of Allison. Yes. Oh. So crazy. Next week, we will be telling stories from North Dakota. North Dakota. That's a place we have visited and a place that we haven't. I've actually never been there. Like in real life. Real life? (laughs) Not podcast life. If you want to share your stories with us, you can email us at killerhangoverpodcast at gmail.com or on our website. There is a contact page where you can send us a message on there. And our website is www.killerhangoverpodcast.wordpress.com.
com. And that would be paranormal or true crime stories. Yes. Send us any stories. All right. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd really appreciate a review. review. If you have the time on Apple Podcasts, especially, I hope this was spooky enough for the week of Halloween. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Cheers, Mama. I love you, kid.